What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 58 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core Championship Weekend. Again, I mean, it was pretty tough to follow up that Divisional Weekend. All four of those games were great. But honestly, these two games this past Sunday were also awesome, both down to the wire. And finally, we get a chance to recap. It definitely took a little longer than I wanted to, Core. But you know what? We're finally here talking about it. Now let's get right into it. Yeah, Pay. I mean, hey, don't matter when we, when we get it in. Get a nice uh, recap of these games. A little bit of uh, some some uh, some new faces in the Super Bowl, but yeah, definitely uh, ready to recap uh, this uh, championship weekend. Yeah, listen, Core, we're recording on the second half of the week, so cost the Cincinnati Bengals because we're showing up in that half. I mean. The first half of this game, the Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs kind of outplayed a little bit in this one. Definitely would be an understatement, but they get a stop right before halftime. Ultimately, they get it going in the second half and core. They're on their way to the Super Bowl for the first time in over 30 years, a 27-24 victory in overtime. They were seven-point underdogs in this game. Definitely surprised me, but Joe Burrow in his second year off a torn ACL has really catapulted himself Towards the top of the quarterback rankings, I didn't think he was phenomenal in this game. I thought he did just enough. And their defense in the second half, like I said, they completely flipped the switch to silence a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. I mean, three points in the second half is unreal from the Cincinnati Bengals defense. I thought the Chiefs had a lot of chances in this game. I think they ultimately will look back at this one really angered at themselves. I think that, like I said, they definitely thought they should have won this game. I mean, again, you're up 21 to three in this game. There's no excuse why you should lose it with the most talented quarterback in the national football league on your side, but hats off to the Bengals. I mean, again, a four seed, they've been scrappy all playoffs kicked a bunch of field goals again in this game, but in the end, Evan McPherson was able to kick them to Los Angeles to face to be to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So listen, I might say that the Bengals this year, they were inconsistent at points like that, but down the stretch, they really, clicked it in and come playoff time again they 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 were tough they were tough out and clearly they aren't out they still got one more game hopefully for them to have one of the quickest turnarounds really in recent memory I mean again this is a team that was picking fifth overall last year in the NFL draft and now they're one win away from hoisting the Lombardi so you tip your cap to the Cincinnati Bengals they played three very good playoff games yeah I mean always like some team like emerges on like that run I know you like to call it like that that team of destiny. I think the Cincinnati Bengals kind of like fit the description for that right now. I mean, you look at this game, 21 to three chiefs have a chance to get a field goal or a touchdown right before the half. Eli Apple comes up with like probably the best play of his career. I mean, not many great plays to show for him, but like came up with a big play. I'll give it to him. And I I don't know if you were going to tell me at that point, like 21 to three chiefs chance to put more points on the board and get the ball to start the third quarter. Like I would say there's literally probably like a 0.1% chance the Cincinnati Bengals win this game, but a hey, credit to them that they, they scrapped uh, got obviously, obviously they forced a punt to, uh, to start the, to start the second half. And then, um, yeah, I mean, they kind of just did it. Um, they kind of just found a way to win this game. I think, like you said, like I think Joe Burrow, um, not necessarily like not necessarily like his greatest game, but I mean, I guess the word that describes him, like the guy's just a winner. I mean, won the national championship in college, comes in even on like a game where he didn't necessarily like do that great. Like his team went into Kansas City and got the win. I think an underrated play, I mean not underrated, but like underrated like sequence was when at the end of the game, the Chiefs are obviously driving in this game is uh I th- yeah, I think yeah, 24-21 since he and I thought the Chiefs for, for sure were going to put in 
a touchdown, but that um, but that Bengals defense, Trey Hendrickson running all over trying to get Patrick Mahomes, forcing him mm-hmm. to throw the ball away. Like I think that's a big play holding to a field goal. And then yeah, the Chiefs get the ball first, and then Patrick Mahomes throws an interception. So I mean, I guess now the overtime rules, like no one's got a problem with them anymore because they the defense gets a stop. So I don't really think that's how it should be, but hey, I don't really know. But yeah, I mean Cincy obviously like I do I think they're the best team in the AFC no but yeah sometimes one game you go on a run so definitely um to my cap to them and for the Chiefs I guess just a tough break um I once I don't know I think you you would you call this definitely like for the Chiefs now like making to the AFC championship game you think like their standards are so high that this is just like a complete disappointment of a season Listen, I wouldn't say complete disappointment, but I'd say they're definitely not pleased with where their season went. Like if the Cincinnati Bengals would have lost in the AFC Championship, I think the mood in Cincinnati would have been still pretty optimistic. Yeah, they ultimately fell short, but it was a great year. Obviously, they exceeded the expectation. But for for Kansas City, this was the expectation at least. Like if they didn't even get here, you'd be very upset. I still think they are upset, like I said, especially because they were up 21-3. to Corey, a lot to unpack where you were going. I'll start first. But yeah, that play right before half, which – I mean, it was a turning point. 21 to 10 at this point, you're getting the ball back at halftime. And normally, I wouldn't be so against this move, right? But I don't know. It could have been so easily avoided. First off, you're up 11 points. Getting the ball back at halftime, I think you know that about it. Go up two touchdowns. With the ball back, then you can go up three possessions, three possessions after you've taken, what, five, six minutes off the clock in the third quarter, right? You're starting to feel pretty good that if your offense can maybe put together one drive in the last what, 25 minutes, less quarter and a half, you're going to end up victorious in this game. So I think they definitely should have taken the points. Secondly, there's five seconds left and a half. Why are you throwing the ball that it's like not either going to be a touchdown or an incomplete pass? That The play call I did not like at all. Like the fact that, again, if you would have just thrown an incomplete pass in the end zone, maybe there's one, two or one seconds left on the clock and you then can kick the field goal with Bucker. But to do that play with Tyreek, I don't know. I just didn't like the play call at all. And then, Cincinnati adjusted in the second half. They dropped a lot of extra guys in coverage and it kind of flustered Mahomes a little bit. I know he threw that interception too on the RPO to BJ Hill, former giant represent, but I mean, it's just a bad, they're a scrappy team. These Bengals, man. And Joe Burrow, you mentioned the two runs that he had on those, on that go ahead field goal drive. It was like a third and six and a third and seven. Again, I mean, when, the pocket broke down. He was just able to get it done with his legs. You mentioned maybe it wasn't his greatest game, but the guy, he's a winner, man. He did it all at LSU, and now he's came into the league and really saved this franchise. I mean, this Bengals franchise, again, had a won a playoff game in, what, 30 years since before the text message was even invented. And now, again, they're one win away from a Super Bowl appearance. Core, I'll shout out your kicker here first, and then we'll go on to the Chiefs a little bit here. Evan McPherson, core another four field goal game for the young rookie out of Florida. Um, I mean, one of the best postseasons ever, I guess, for a kicker. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, he's got to have the mo- one of the like, if not the most, he's right there with the most field goals kicked in a postseason run. He's 12 for 12 right now. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing him here for the Super Bowl, but an incredible job done, well done by him. I know it was kind of like a chip shot field goal at the end, but still the pressures are high, the pressure's high there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think about your guy McPherson? Hey, man, I mean, as a college kicker myself, just the way this guy McPherson's going out there right now, I mean, that guy's got to just have, like, the most confidence in the world. I mean, kind of like, hey, next year if I'm a starting kicker, like, that's kind of – that's the confidence I want to have out there. I mean, as a kicker, like, I think it's just, like, 
a lot of it is confidence. Uh, could be a lot. You could play a lot of mind games, especially like obviously like where I'm playing, we're not having that many cra- like a big crowd. But this guy's hit some big field goals in some like in front of like eighty thousand people. So I mean, credit to him. He's just been unbelievable. I mean, like kickers got one job, and this guy certainly has done that. Like he hit a chip shot, and then against Tennessee, hit a game winner from what like 52, 53 yards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not nah, Evan McPherson. Um, I don't know he's probably he's just emerging as, as a top kicker in the league right now. I think showing like like this playoffs, I think are showing like special teams obviously are pretty crucial. And uh, McPherson's definitely um, been a bit like helped the Bengals for sure get uh, get to where they are right now. Yeah, the guy is crazy in rhythm for sure, kicking the ball. I mean, even the one that he did to take the lead in this game, 24 21, was from about 52 yards out, similar to the one that he did kicking the game winner against the Tennessee Titans. Core, I guess we'll flip it over to the Kansas City Chiefs. You kind of did allude to the fact that, like, did, did I think it was a disappointment? Like I said, it, I think it kind of was because, again, this is their expectation. So I think the mood in Kansas City today is that they feel that they – um listen, they were inconsistent all year. I don't think they would, they weren't as dominant as they were the past two seasons, but that no, that's no excuse. They were one game away from the Super Bowl. They blew a lead that they shouldn't have. They lost to a team that they shouldn't have, that they lost now twice to this year. So – I think going into the offseason, the Chiefs, I mean, we mentioned this year, maybe they were going on a little bit of a revenge tour, and at some points you saw it, and at some points you didn't. I think the Chiefs, they overall, it's just got to be consistency, man. Like that year in 2020, when they went 14-2, and two and they like they lost their last game of the regular season because they start, they benched all their starters. So they were really like 14-1 that regular season. That That's the type of Chiefs team you need to see week in and week out. You can't see a Chiefs team in the second half that is going three and out or only having five play drives and having to punt the ball. When you have all those offensive weapons, when you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, you can't put up three points in a second half of a playoff game. You just you don't deserve to win in that sense. It's not even like if you want – like the Bengals, they're a good defensive team, but by no stretch of the imagination would I say they are elite on that side of the football. They don't have even – like necessarily eight tier talented players there. You mentioned Trey Hendrickson's name probably is their best defender. He was an awesome free agent signing, but again, it's not like they had the Aaron Donalds, the Jalen Ramsey's that like the Rams defense has like it, it just, it, to beat the bills in that divisional round and then blow an 18 point lead in the conference championship to the Bengals. It should just, should not sit right for the whole city of Kansas city. So a lot of reflecting in the offseason there. I'm curious. There might be a little bit of change. I know Tyron Matthews, a pending free agent there. Uh, offensively, I feel like they, they fixed their offensive line problem last year, which we saw how much that got exposed in the Super Bowl. So clearly their general manager there, they understand what needs to be fixed, and they do a good job of executing that. So next year, I'm sure they'll add a couple pieces on that defense. And, I mean, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere in the near future, obviously, with all the talent they have. But – one Super Bowl in four straight years that they've hosted the AFC Championship game. I think I'm not going to say again that's a disappointing four-year stretch, but at the same time, I think that the Chiefs will tell you that they wish they had more than one Super Bowl for sure. So, uh, l- listen, that team struggle go through. I mean, the Patriots even back when like in between the two Super Bowls with the Giants. Right? I mean, Brady had a little bit of a break in between his Super Bowls. It happens, man. So. Uh, the, the Chiefs are uh, they're, they're not going anywhere, but it, they're definitely very bitter after this one is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I think after I mean, like Patrick Mahomes first season um, when when he was obviously his first season as a starter, they lost to the Patriots in the in the AFC championship game. You were like everyone was like, this is like this team is 
is the future. And I think that I think they still are. But like, yeah, you you obviously win in 2019, 2020. You get there, you lose to Tom Brady. This year, you blow an 18 point lead in the in the AFC Championship game. Like, yeah, like I think the Chiefs will will like still be obviously like a top team in the AFC. But I don't know. Like, I don't think Pat like. Like four years has started. Like I think the Chiefs will keep being good, but like to keep getting to the AFC Championship game and come with only one Super Bowl. When what I would say in like I I would say like most of like probably not the first year, but they were up there. But like the last three years, like you looked at the Chiefs and they were probably like the favorite to win, and you only come away with like one Super Bowl. Like you don't know what's gonna happen in the future. Like you don't know. I don't know about like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey's like situation like this team like you only get so many chances so yeah I think like obviously you got Patrick Mahomes signed for a long time like you'll be there but to like keep getting these chances and unable to come away with like a Super Bowl like I'm not sure like I thought this team like potentially could have like turned in to a dynasty they, they still could but I'm just saying like you keep getting these chances and at the end of the day like I'm like when you're like this good I mean I think like a loss in the Super Bowl is like the same thing as like loss in the first round. Like you want like they're for the for the Chiefs right now, it's kind of Super Bowl or bust. And for them to like keep getting here and just not really coming away with the title, I think I wouldn't say the time's ticking because it's definitely not, but I mean it's another year. Like I think this Chiefs team this year, like definitely was not as dominant as as previous years. And uh, I think that's credit to like the league maybe figuring out the Chiefs a little bit. Like the offense still was good, but certainly was not as explosive as it has been so I think the Chiefs lose an AFC championship game this year obviously not winning the Super Bowl this year like it, it gives the league another another year to almost like game plan or like prepare for the Chiefs and predict them so I think definitely a tough break for the Chiefs but I think Patrick Mahomes will rebound from this but I think when like you get here like you're here for four straight years I think time um it, it could could be ticking like you only get so many so many chances at this so i mean for them i hope they get back but like i'm saying i just think time like like it only happens so often yeah your championship window is only open for such a short period of time in the nfl i mean again look at the Bengals. last year they were picking fifth overall and now they're one win away from a super bowl victory so it's just like the like again yeah to have prolonged like a decade worth of success is extremely difficult to do. It's something you really can't count on as good as Patrick Mahomes is and as good as a coach as Andy Reid is. So you got to capitalize on these opportunities when you have all the pieces. And yes, we both agree that this Chiefs team maybe wasn't as good as the one last year, but the AFC this year was just overall pretty inconsistent. And it was almost like the Chiefs probably were the most talented team in the conference. And when, when the lights came on in the playoffs, you were almost hoping that, all right, maybe the Chiefs will finally rise to the top. And with that awesome win against Buffalo, you were like, all right, they finally did. They are the Chiefs of old almost. You know what I mean? They flipped that switch. But with this loss, I don't know. I'm sure that that film in the second half of the Chiefs offense is going to go around a lot of teams in the offseason when they start preparing for the Chiefs come the 2022 regular season. Because, I mean, again, it, it they held him to three points. I'm still kind of shocked about that days later. But, core. with that being said, the Bengals will be advancing to the Super Bowl to play in SoFi Stadium. And they're going to be playing the hometown L.A. Rams core. The Rams erase a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit, win 20-17 to over the San Francisco 49ers, those same 49ers who beat the Rams twice 
in the regular season. The first half of this game, core, if you ask me, the Rams, just like I thought they were outplaying the 49ers. They had them in time of possession, but they let them hang around too much. The 49ers kick a field goal right before the half. They go up 17-7 on a George Kittle touchdown. And then the fourth quarter was just all Rams. I think Kyle Shanahan will look back on this game again. There were a lot of plays in that fourth quarter that he probably wants back. I know uh, Jaquiski Tart I dropped a tough interception, too, that would have given the San Francisco 49ers the ball back right after they had to punt it. But in the end core, Matthew Stafford in his first year out of Detroit is going to the Super Bowl. I mean, he was great in this one. Again, 337 yards in the air, two touchdowns, and Cooper Cup continues his dominance, 11-142 and two touchdowns in this one. For the Rams, it was a year that they shoved all their chips into the table. They went all in, and I mean – this is why they did that. You know what I mean? You could say that with Jared Goff, they were still a playoff team, but I don't think anybody would say that like they were a real Super Bowl contender with Goff. Yes, their roster is good. Yes, they have one of the best young coaches in football, but this is why they went out and they traded those two first round picks again, Matthew Stafford. So for the Rams right now, obviously they're just like their season isn't complete. Of course, they want the Super Bowl win, but an awesome job at least to get there. And like I said, I'm just happy that this all in approach definitely worked. You know what I mean? If you're going to go down, go down swing and at least the Rams, like they're in pretty good standing right now with Matthew Stafford is what I'm trying to get. At. Yeah. I mean, like as like a fan standpoint or like if I was a general manager, like I'm all about like NBA, NFL, MLB, like anything. If I, if like my team has potential, like let's say I'm, I'm like trying to get over the top. I'm all willing to send, Draft picks, if I could bring in, like, a, like an upgrade star player. And obviously, like, the Rams, uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019. And obviously, they 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 they, uh, they made it to the Super Bowl loss to, to the Patriots with Jared Goff. So, obviously, this was a talented team. I know, like, obviously, it's not that – this just wasn't the same team. But, like, we knew, like, the Rams obviously are a good team. And they wanted to upgrade. They gave up a few first-round picks for, um, for Matthew Stafford to clear upgrade at the quarterback position. Obviously, they've given up first-round picks for, for Jalen Rams. Like, they really don't have a first-round pick for a while. But if they win a Super Bowl, like, I'm sure they'll be like, it's all worth it. So, I'm, I I agree with you. I like the all-in approach. And then when it came to this game, like, I kind of agree. First half, it kind of seemed like the Rams really – like, obviously, they threw an interception early in, in that game. And 49ers are kind of doing what they almost did to, like, the Packers, just, like, hanging around obviously go up 17 to seven. And I kind of thought the 49ers were heading to the Super Bowl. And then I don't know, like, I guess sometimes like luck is on your side. Like Matthew Stafford definitely makes a bad throw. Like I think he's looking for Odell Beckham or was it Van Jefferson? It was someone like a deep throw. Like Matthew Stafford tries launching this ball like 65 yards and he completely underthrows him. And yeah, Jaquari Tart or whatever his first name is. I mean, that guy's probably still feeling feeling terrible I think if he I think if he makes that interception do I think the Rams are going to the Super Bowl probably not but I guess it's a part of sports uh you got to overcome it I kind of I kind of feel bad I'm sure his teammates are definitely supporting him but hey I guess like luck was on their side for him to drop that I think they ended up getting a field goal on that drive mm-hmm. and then yeah I mean the Cooper I mean the, the Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup connection all year has just been it's been absolutely special just like I think Cooper Cup I think you got to say right now definitely a top five receiver in the league like yeah he gets all these targets but you got to realize he's getting all these targets because he, he he's able to get open and he and Matthew Stafford sees him so yeah I think this Rams team right on the edge of um of securing that Super Bowl I think they have a good chance to 
to do. And I think, yeah, I think it would be good to see Matthew Stafford, a guy who's been in Detroit for, for, for his whole career, not able to really do much to show like how special of a, a quarterback talent he is when given a good defense, uh, good coaching, good everything. So, yeah, I'm happy for the Rams. Tough break for the 49ers, but I think the 49ers will be back. I think um, Jimmy G probably on his way out, but I still think the future is pretty bright for, for the 49ers also. Yeah, we'll definitely get into the 49ers in a second. I just want to wrap it up kind of with the Rams discussion. And yeah, about a year ago, just over a year ago, they made that trade for Matthew Stafford. And that's what I kind of envisioned. I want Stafford in a McVay offense with a really good defense. I I, I mean, I called them my preseason pick core. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to go pat myself on the back yet. They didn't win anything yet. But I mean, you could just see how talented Stafford is. And if you put him in a competent situation, a competent organization, how much he would be able to thrive. It wasn't all perfect for the Rams, though, if you ask me in this game. I thought Sean McVay didn't manage it great. He had no timeouts at one point with, like, nine minutes to play, which is not going to cut it for you normally in this game. I think Sean McVay got really lucky that, if you ask me, Kyle Shanahan actually coached even a worse game because if the Rams would have lost this game, a lot of fingers would have pointed to McVay and his poor misuse of challenges and the clock management. But they won the game. He gets to avoid that at least for the week. Core Kyle Shanahan's going to be the one who's on the chopping block here. Three times he punched the ball inside his 45, or excuse, one of the times they took a delay a game, so he moved outside of it. But, again, like to be that conservative when you have that good of a run game if you isn't great, if you ask me. I, like Jimmy Garoppolo also might not be this spectacular quarterback, but the lack of trust that Shanahan even has in him is just like so – it's so obvious. And honestly, like, like when you, like, why is he out there? If you don't trust him at all, like you have to put a little bit of faith into him core. I think the biggest turning point, even Shanahan said this in his press conference was the Niners had a second and one at about midfield. They're just in front of midfield. They didn't get it. They get stuffed as well on third and one. And then they pump the ball back to the Rams and then Tart drops the interception. Shanahan said that those three plays completely swung the momentum of the game. And he's hundred percent right. I think that, again, if the 49ers maybe pick up a first down there, I think at that point the game was – I think they were up by three at that point. So, yeah, if they're able to keep the ball, keep it moving, maybe they kick a field goal, go up six, who knows what ends up happening on the next drive there. So I think that Shanahan will definitely look back to that sequence and be kicking himself a little bit and definitely even wondering – I get maybe punting it if you don't get it on second and third down. Like, you know what I mean? What's it – like, how are you going to get it on fourth down? But I don't know. It was even the same – thing in the Dallas Cowboys game and it didn't end up coming back to bite him because they won the game but I don't know I just think Kyle Shannon's a bit too conservative as a play caller and when you have that good of a run game I just don't get why when you have weapons like Debo Samuel who can do everything I, I just don't completely love that philosophy of thinking that you're like ah, you, you got it like aggressive has won, is winning in the NFL you can't be afraid to go make a move like that but for San Francisco like you said I think the future is still bright for them Jimmy Garoppolo the all but gone uh, John Lynch the general manager has mentioned even Garoppolo in his press conference has kind of said farewell to San Francisco so it's a new era with Trey Lance I mean they traded two future first round picks for him to move up for him in the draft San Francisco they were a great story this year I don't they're not going anywhere obviously Debo Samuel Nick Bosa George Kittle I mean these guys are super Fred Warner as well these guys are superstars in the National Football League I think that Lance, hopefully, it's a little bit of a risk, obviously. I think with Garoppolo, you could definitely say that they are a cap more than capable playoff team as they show as they showed this year. But with Garoppolo, I think it was kind of obvious in this one, even down the stretch in the fourth quarter, that you don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with him. And then they didn't win the one two years ago. He didn't make that big throw to Emmanuel Sanders. So with Lance, that's what they're going for right here. They think that Lance can improve their ceiling. And I like the chance from San Francisco. Like you said 
earlier with the Chiefs, there's not a lot of times where like like you have to take advantage of the windows in the NFL. Right now, the 49ers roster is very good. They have young playmakers on both sides of the ball. Let's take a swing right here. And for Trey Lance, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him knowing what Garoppolo just did and they're going to move on from him. But I think he's going to be ready for it, Core. I think that guy is immensely talented and working with Kyle Shanahan in a Shanahan offense. I'm definitely excited to see what he implements. I would have liked to see a little bit more of Trey Lance this year, maybe in some specific run design packages. But uh, yeah, I mean, for San Francisco, I definitely think it was a great playoff run. Obviously, they were almost another team of destiny, as I like to call them. But uh, they'll be back. I'm not, uh, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, um, when you talk about uh, that, that guy, that play also was pretty big. I, personally, when it's fourth and two at the Rams, like 45, uh, and you're up three, like, I'm all about, like, being aggressive. But I didn't think that was, like, super conservative. Like, it's not like it was, like, fourth and inches. Like, fourth and two, I'm not saying – like, obviously, I know their run game's really good. Like, you got Elijah Mitchell – Debo Samuel, you probably put him back there on fourth and two. Like, he's probably getting the first down. But I don't know. I, th- I think in, in that case, like, punting it really wasn't, like, a terrible idea. I think what was worse is it, it was – yeah, it was second and one. And you're getting stuffed on two straight plays. Like, I just think that is – that that was that was what was bad. I, I didn't really have a problem with the punt. Like, you, you, you don't get that. You give the Rams great field position when it's three-point game. And then, obviously – Tart drops the interception like that was just a te- that was just a tough sequence of events for the 49ers and yeah Jimmy G gone I think Trey Lance um certainly a ton of press on him because like you thought before the year like out of all the rookie quarterbacks uh taken Lawrence um Wilson Lance Field and, and Mac Jones obviously Trey Lance had the least amount of uh of experience at start as, as a starting quarterback so I think next year definitely is a lot of pressure on him because, like, you drafted Trey Lance to upgrade over Jimmy G, and the team got to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy G. So I think Trey Lance, uh, I think he's built for it, but I think definitely a lot of pressure because, like, let's say next year Trey Lance comes in, this team loses in, I don't know, the wild card round. Like, it's kind of like a little head scratching because, like, yeah, the window, like, might not be that long. I think this is like, like you said, this is a young team with a lot of good playmakers on both sides. So I think Trey Lance, like, I think the ceiling for this team should be way higher with Trey Lance. But uh, I mean, the floor probably is not like, it's probably like a lower floor, but a higher ceiling. So yeah, I'm curious to see how the 49ers, um, if they make any moves this offseason. But yeah, I guess it's, it's a new era. I think Trey Lance, it, it's his time to shine. So I'm curious to see, uh, he could uh, take this team. I mean, the only thing higher is Super Bowl. So I'm curious if, if Trey Lance could, like, take this team to Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in, in the future. Yeah, and I mean, whatever they do, though, in the offseason, there is one thing. They are going to have to beat the Los Angeles Rams next year, obviously, with the Rams still being in their division. The Rams, they don't think – they don't seem like they're going to go anywhere. And who knows? Maybe they'll even be a Super Bowl champions come next year. All right, Core, the Super Bowl, obviously, is next Sunday. We're not going to preview it on this week's episode. So our Bengals Rams Super Bowl episode will be next week. Don't worry. We're going to go crazy in depth more than we do on our normal game previews and stuff like that. We'll kind of break down rosters, see where we think each team can win and how they can do that. Instead, core, we're going to get into the rest of our episode doing league news. There was a ton of it. I mean, core, there were games on Saturday, but maybe the biggest news of, I don't know, maybe even the year core Tom Brady has called it a career core. 
as a lifelong Giants fan, this still even upset me. I can't even imagine what it did to Patriots fans, to Bucks fans, and actually Tom Brady fans. But I, th- guys like that, they go on these farewell tours, you know what I mean? And sometimes I'm like, all right, do they really deserve all the attention that they're getting and stuff like that? Like, come on, like, they're great, but like, all right. Tom Brady not going on a farewell tour actually like kind of that kind of makes me upset, but it just speaks if you ask me to the type of guy he was. The he's an ultimate competitor. He wasn't gonna, he was never gonna buy into something that he wasn't a hundred percent into. And it seemed like maybe if he would have played this year, he wasn't completely all in on this core. But twenty-two years in the league, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time league MVPs, the all-time leader in yards, in touchdowns, in wins in Super Bowls, in Super Bowl MVPs, and any other record core that you want to throw up. Say all you want about where he played in his career and maybe the help that he got around him. Tom Brady is the greatest football player to walk the earth to this day, and I'm blessed, Core, to be able to have watched him in my life. I mean, unbelievable Tom Brady. Like I said, I'm still, I'm still upset about it. I'm upset he didn't get a nice farewell tour, but again, he goes out in the most GOAT style that he could. So congrats to Tom Brady. I'm sure that he will definitely be in a football booth calling games. And I cannot wait to hear him in his next chapter of his life. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously like everyone knows Tom Brady is uh, he's, he's the goat. I mean, greatest of all time, probably like all like any position, but certainly the greatest of all time when it comes to, to quarterbacks. So yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, they announce retirement like before the year. And like you said, like a farewell tour, Tom Brady, I think, I think it's pretty crazy because for the fact that Tom Brady like led the NFL this year in yards, I think touchdowns also like, yep. Yeah. For a guy 45 or 45 years old, I think like that, that just for him to go out, like, like guys usually like, like obviously we're going to talk about that too. Like big Ben going out. Like, I think it was time for big Ben to go out. Like you could tell, like he was not the same quarterback he wants, but like, for Brady to go out like on top like that, obviously he didn't win the Super Bowl, but he led the league in passing touchdowns and yards. So I mean, just shows like he, he was still like he was still that guy. Like Ben Ben Roethlisberger, not that guy anymore. Tom Brady was still the guy, and for him to go out like that, I don't know. It's just kind of kind of surprising because a few weeks ago, like there were discussions like could Tom Brady play till he's fifty, and then just like. Like two weeks ago, they were like, he's like, I don't know about my my future. And I mean, I guess he's like figure like he's gave all his all to this game, gave his all to the game of football. So um, I know he was talking like if he's not like 100 percent committed and like going to compete 100 percent, like he's not going to go. He's not even going to play. So I, I respect him as a competitor. And I don't know, like Tom Brady, it's crazy that you're never like. Unless he comes out of retirement, which he probably can, he probably throw for like forty-five touchdowns. But like, it's crazy that Tom Brady obviously retired. Like, probably our, like the just been like the goat, all of our childhood. Like, he's been the quarterback, obviously on the Patriots. Then went to Super Bowl on the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I guess just like cherish, uh, cherish watching like the the greats. Like even in basketball, like the day LeBron, like people don't like him. Like LeBron James retires, obviously. Like the basketball is going to be different. Like the NBA is going to be different, obviously. The NFL won't be the same without Tom Brady. And uh, I hope I hope the best for him in retirement. Like you said, it'd be cool to hear him in a booth as a, as a broadcaster, just like the best for him because the guy deserves the guy deserves a great retirement, a great uh, life after football. So, I mean, just great for the guy. 
it was uh, obviously a hell of a career. Yeah, listen, I love Tony Romo in the booth, but Tom Brady, I think, is going to catapult to the top of like broadcasters and people who want to really listen to him and let him share his knowledge and everything. I mean, Sean Payton, too, kind of gets dunked on here. Sean Payton, everybody's like, oh, this guy's going to go into TV now. He's going to be the man in it. Well, Tom Brady's like, not so fast, buddy. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you say going out on top. I mean, Tom Brady's probably going to be the runner-up for the MVP this year. So, I mean, if the guy wanted to keep playing, he could. I remember I said a couple – I mean, after when it started to come out, I was like, all right. I think I said I, – I think I took back my statement of three years. I was like, all right, maybe he's going to play two more years and stuff like that. But, again, I have the utmost respect for him that if he – like, football is such a demanding sport and stuff like that, and there's so many people counting on you, especially at the quarterback position, that if you're not completely bought in, don't like – go 50%. You know what I mean? You're either 110% or you're out. And again, it takes a lot probably for Tom Brady. Again, this guy's played in the NFL for literally half of his life to be able to stand up and be like, all right, I'm going to call it a quit, but it's where he is at the chapter in his life. Core, I guess we'll go down memory lane a little bit, talk about some of our favorite games about the guy, because I mean, he deserves all the time that we'll give him here. I mean, it's got to be, I think, number one, probably the best football game that I've ever watched. I know we said a couple weeks ago that the Chiefs-Bills game was a game of the lifetime core, but will we ever see another 28-3 to comeback in the Super Bowl with seven minutes to go in the third quarter, Wow, even less time there was in the third quarter? I mean, that was incredible. Him orchestrating those go-ahead drives, and then finally, at the end, the toss to James White when they finally win to complete the comeback. Yes, you could say that, oh, Kyle Shanahan botched that game too, but I mean, come on, don't take it away from Brady. A 25-point comeback is unheard of. I mean, look, even in his last game ever he came back from 24 points they didn't end up winning the game but he tied it at 27 so i mean would you go with that too your favorite probably moments got to be that falcons super bowl right yeah i mean i think i think tom brady yeah come back in the super bowl 28 to 3 it just shows like you can never count this guy out uh yeah i think that's got to be number one and obviously i don't know specifically but like the season i know i think your your giants obviously 2007 most, season yep yeah, that, that was crazy. I know. Yeah. What do you, yeah. I mean, I think he had like five touchdown passes in a quarter. I don't know if that was the year. I know. He did yeah, that. it was. One, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that year was obviously like prime Tom Brady, but I'd say number one definitely got to be in the Super Bowl, uh, 28 to three comeback. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I guess two games I actually loved more than that Falcons Super Bowl comeback by Brady were probably the two Super Bowls that the Giants beat Tom Brady. And so, like I said, Tom Brady's always done me good in my life. I mean, there are no hurt feelings between me and Tom Brady because when he needed to lose, he lost for me. And uh, yeah, the Giants, he gave Eli Manning two Super Bowl rings. I could flaunt all over to them. But yeah, I mean, in 2007, he was for a while there, one of, I mean, one of the most dominant, it probably still right now today is the most dominant regular season team in the history of the league. Uh, forgetting exactly how many touchdowns as he does. I know it ended up getting topped by Peyton for sure. And then since then, but uh, would you have Randy Moss too on that team was awesome. He had a ton of touchdowns that year. So uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of crazy games, obviously he has that Super Bowl where they won it with Malcolm Butler with the interception, but uh, yeah, a whole lot of them for Tom Brady for him. Calling it a career in core, yeah. The NFL has finally changed uh, at passing of the torch a little bit. I think it maybe would have been cool if Mahomes would have won the Super Bowl this year. And then you could kind of – Brady passes it to Mahomes, which is what it's kind of almost felt like. But I don't know. Maybe there are some other guys who uh, want to step in for the taking there. But uh, I don't know, core if we'll ever see another quarterback as much of a winner, as I should say, as Tom Brady was. I mean, I don't have his career-winning percentage in front of me, but it was ridiculous. core. We got to pay homage to another 
great quarterback who called it a career, Ben Roethlisberger. This is another one, another Hall of Fame quarterback. He will be inducted the same weekend as Tom Brady in, what, 2027. Kind of gets, a little, again, a little overshadowed. I mean, just like his whole career, kind of, you know what I mean, playing in the AFC against Tom Brady, never easy. But, I mean, Roethlisberger on his own right was an elite quarterback. Like you said, he's got his two Super Bowls. He's got maybe – more of a signature play than Brady actually has in his career. That touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes is iconic. It's probably one of the best plays in NFL history, definitely on a short list of stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, Big Ben, like I said, in his own right, great quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champs, over 64,000 yards, 400-plus touchdowns. And it kind of wraps up the error core of that draft class specifically with Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll definitely hear a lot of great debates on who the best of the three is, but I think a lot of people, and justifiably so, can say that Roethlisberger was the best of the three. I mean, he's got the same amount of rings as Eli Manning, and you can look at even, like, the regular season stats. Big Ben was a very good quarterback for a majority of his career. I know a lot of people maybe – he left a sour taste in some people's mouth with the last two seasons, but, I mean, the guy in his own right was one of the best quarterbacks of the era for sure. Yeah, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger uh... – I mean, obviously, he stayed in Pittsburgh his whole career. And, yeah, he got two Super Bowl rings, put up a lot of big seasons in in Pittsburgh. I think, like, yeah, like the last two seasons, like, it was clear, like, Ben was really not he, – he wasn't that quarterback he once was. But, obviously, that iconic moment against the, against the Arizona Cardinals where he feeds San Antonio Holmes to win the game, that's probably one of the most iconic touchdowns Um of all time, just a guy who, I don't know, Big Ben, like watching Big Ben, just like, I, obviously, like he, he was great at throwing the ball, but like, I, well, the thing I loved most about him is like his, like his feel for like the pressure kind of like that guy just, I used to watch that guy just like never get sacked. Like he just always knew when the pressure was behind him or something. The guy would always find a way not to get sacked and like, not like he never was fast, but like he was able to like make plays out of um out of things like that when there when there was pressure i mean the, these last two years obviously like he's just not the same but yeah i mean obviously this guy's definitely going to be in uh he's going to head to canton ohio in the hall of fame so i think um obviously does not he didn't go out like tom brady obviously he didn't go out like on top but yeah ben ben, ben roethlisberger another guy um nearing like the end of the era i saw obviously that post with like drew Brees in it too and Peyton Manning was in it too. Obviously, like the only quarterback left in the league who you could think of, like Aaron Rodgers, he's like the last main guy. So, yeah, I mean, Roethlisberger, great career. So, wish him also the best. I don't know if he'll be, if he wants to, he'll probably be in the booth as a, as a broadcaster also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely congrats on great career for him and wish the best in uh, his um, post playing career. Yeah, I mean, that weekend in Canton, Ohio, on, in 2027 is going to be awesome. You mentioned, yeah, it's an end of an era for all these guys. I mean, Big Ben, you mentioned how, like, yeah, his escapability almost. I mean, the thing I love the most about Big Ben is how, like, I mean, quarterbacks sometimes, they get the wrong stigma maybe about how they're too much of, like, pretty boys. They don't like to get hit and stuff. Ben, if Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a quarterback, he'd play, like, middle linebacker or, like, maybe even defensive. Like, like he'd be a defensive one. Like, he's just a – like, you know, like he's a football quarterback is almost what I like to say. He is not afraid of the contact – one of my favorite things, too, is, like, there's a video of, like, Big Ben one time in camp, like, 
uh, practicing and he's just like throwing the pads, like, you know what I mean? Like they're throwing pads yeah. at him and he's batting them down with the ball. He's just messing around. Cause he's a veteran. He's allowed to do that stuff. But I mean, again, it's just the epitome of big, I mean, the guy had injured everything. You know what I mean? I don't know if big Ben ever played a game where he was at a hundred percent and stuff like that. But for him in his own right, like you said, number seven is immortalized forever now in Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, he was a tr- I, he's maybe lucky that he even went to, I mean, Pittsburgh in that draft, I mean, in 2004, I think they took him 11th overall. They took it. He was the third quarterback off the board. Like I said, you could definitely argue probably a lot of people will say he is the best quarterback in that draft. But uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, definitely more than uh, very happy that he fell to them in that draft. I mean, we mentioned Brady, a sixth round, 199th pick in his own right. I mean, the expectations there are super low. As the 11th overall pick, the expectations are pretty high, and Ben Roethlisberger definitely shattered them more than anybody could have ever imagined. So tip your cap to two quarterbacks, core definitely that uh, you look up to definitely when you're – definitely when we were both starting to watch football and really get into the game and stuff like that. Their careers almost lasted our entire lives. I mean, even Brady. Brady has been in the NFL longer than we've been on the earth, which is pretty crazy if you think about that. So uh, 2022, definitely going to look a little different around the league, especially – uh, obviously we know Brady, but then in Pittsburgh too, with Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, you think Steelers, the first thing you think of is big Ben over there slinging the rock. So definitely those, that Pittsburgh, I know Tampa Bay, we didn't really get into it. Pittsburgh as well. They're going to have decisions to make at the quarterback position. We'll get into that more in the off season stuff, but uh, for now we still got one more game corn. We still got a lot of head coaching hires that finally started to happen this past week. The stove was very cold core, not a lot of guys getting hired, but in the past week we've had, Brian Dable get hired to the Giants, Matt Eberflus to the Bears, Josh McDaniels to the Vegas Raiders, Nathaniel Hackett to the Broncos, Kevin O'Connell to the Vikings, and just recently, Doug Peterson to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Core, I'm kind of rambling those names off to you, though, right now. Which one of those right now kind of intrigue you the most? Are you were very, like, excited about or maybe a hire that you think is going to be a home run hire? I mean, yeah, Rich. Basaccio was obviously like a great interim head coach, but I think, I think Josh McDaniels um, going to going to the Vegas Raiders. Obviously, he's been in New England for like the most of his career under Bill Belichick. I think for him to get a head coaching uh, position, I'm pretty excited to see. I think he's he's obviously, obviously done a great job as offensive coordinator with um with the Pats. So. Yeah, I think that that signing, I think, for the Raiders, I think, yeah, Basaccio obviously did a great job. But I think um, I think Josh McDaniels certainly could be uh, a home run hit for, for the Raiders to work with Derek Carr. So I definitely like uh, that hiring a lot. Yeah, listen, McDaniels, he got a job early on in his career in Denver and struggled there, went back to New England. And it almost seemed like maybe he would stay in New England forever, especially after he did that thing with the Colts when he agreed to coach them. And then he was like, actually, never mind. I'm going. I'm staying in New England. You almost thought, all right, he's going to take over Belichick. But he goes with the new GM as well in Vegas is from New England. And actually, they both went to college together. The GM, Danny's forget the guy's last name besides the point they've known each other for a long time so it makes a lot of sense for mcdaniels to take that leap vegas is a huge market obviously them just moving there a couple years ago they needed like kind of like a coach there who's like a big a big time coach and i think josh mcdaniels definitely has that potential obviously tom brady has spoken so highly of him and the work that they did together so yeah i think mcdaniels for sure was probably the best hire that vegas could have made i think you look at all the hires 
probably one of the most accomplished guys who was hired. And I definitely think that McDaniels will be a success in Vegas. Derek Carr, I think, only has one more year on his contract. I'm curious what they're going to do with him at the quarterback position. I know, obviously, with McDaniels taking the job, obviously he's thought of what he wants to do at that position. So I'm curious. It's going to be an interesting offseason, at least for Vegas, with a new head coach and a new general manager. Core, I'm going to talk about another team that's got a new head coach and a new general manager. Obviously, Joe Shane was hired a couple weeks ago by them, but the New York Giants hired Brian Dable. Brian Dable comes over from Buffalo, the former offensive coordinator there. The past couple of years, he's done a tremendous job developing Josh Allen, and now he will be tasked, at least for what it seems like, developing Daniel Jones. And I think I speak on behalf of all Giants fans. We don't expect Daniel Jones to become Josh Allen, but we hope that Brian Dable can at least get the best out of Daniel Jones, whoever he can be. And I'm not saying, again, it doesn't have to be a superstar, but Daniel Jones, I don't think he's been given a fair chance. I know John Maris said that too. I mean, the guy's had a ton of injuries around him. He's had an offensive line that couldn't block for him. So I definitely think that Dable gives at least the Giants, like it, it's this year a bust for Jones for sure. Maybe they even bring in another quarterback. I don't, I don't necessarily know. I think they'll give Jones at least a year to operate with. But um, yeah, I'm definitely excited for Brian Dable. There's definitely a lot of positivity in the Giants building, if you ask me, that you can't really talk about for the past, like, I mean, yeah, I haven't been this excited, at least what I want to say. It's finally good to know that we have a GM. It just finally seems like they're doing it right. They have a GM and a coach who both know each other very well. They know what he, like to expect out of each other. So when personnel decisions are going to be a lot easier to make, we're going to build a coach. Like it just feels like the Giants are finally doing something right. Whereas like the past couple of years, like you're forcing coordinators on people, you're forcing general managers on coaches. Like that, that, that's done. Hopefully right now, I know Dable doesn't really have head coaching experience in the National Football League, but I'm expecting big things out of Dable. They just brought over the Chiefs quarterback coach, Mike Kafka, too, who's worked under Andy Reid, worked at Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of good minds now in the Giants building. I'm definitely very optimistic as a fan. Core, there's one more hire that I definitely want to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about another one. Who knows? I think Nathaniel Hackett to the Broncos is very interesting. Packers offensive coordinator because of that clear connection core between Aaron Rodgers and Denver. I mean, this has got it. Like, definitely, I'm thinking right now, Aaron Rodgers is looking at Denver like, all right, you took my offensive coordinator. Maybe maybe I am coming over there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that definitely um, would make a lot of sense. I think before Nathaniel Hackett even went to Denver, it was like, it like if Aaron Rodgers were going to leave, like Denver was a potential landing spot. I think Hackett going there certainly – could help cases uh, for Rodgers to go to Denver. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the success he's had under um, Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay, especially over the last two seasons, just like how good he's been. Probably going to win two straight MVPs. I think that definitely um, circulates a lot of things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if he, if he goes to Denver, I think that team obviously um, – Obviously becomes uh, a top team in the AFC, probably a Super Bowl contender. I think Aaron Rodgers obviously makes the team that much better. So I like the hiring from from the Broncos to at least like like try to like lure in or try to get um, Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. So I like the definitely Nathaniel Hackett going helps helps the Broncos and helps their cases to maybe like get Aaron Rodgers hopefully. Yeah, I mean, and obviously John Elway there being up in the front office definitely will help try to persuade and bring Aaron Rodgers over to the Denver Broncos. One other hire I guess I'll talk about it real quick is Doug Peterson just got hired for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I remember when the Jaguars job opened, I thought Peterson was a very good fit for them. I mean, 
Like Peterson's won a Super Bowl just recently, obviously with the Eagles a couple years back in 2018. And for him to work with a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, I think is good. Peterson obviously used to be a former quarterback himself. And again, this is, a, I think the Jaguars, the Urban Meyer situation was such a mess. They needed to bring in somebody who has coached in the league before and understands things. Uh, definitely an offensive minded guy to work with Lawrence. So I think Doug Peterson was one of the best hires that they could have made. And it was a great move for them. Core, a couple of guys who won't be getting hired. Jim Harbaugh goes back to Michigan. He was a finalist for the Vikings job, excuse me, in Miami too. There was a little bit of rumblings that maybe he would go there. But Harbaugh's back in Michigan. I mean, I mean, what were you thinking about that? I mean, I was personally kind of surprised. I thought he was going to honestly go. But uh, what do you think about Harbaugh's decision? Do you think he should have went back to Michigan or do you think that um, he should have made the jump back into the NFL? I think, I think Jim Harbaugh, um, obviously he's getting a lot of money at Michigan anyway. So, like, I just thought Michigan, obviously, I think this year um, – would have been would have been like a nice note to leave on. So unless like I don't know I don't know his like what he like loves or like what's happened. Like maybe he loves just being in Michigan. So I can't really tell. Like if I was him though, I, I probably would have made the jump to the NFL. I think he would have left Michigan on a good note because personally, I don't see Michigan like winning a national championship in like the next few years. I think to make it to the college football playoff would have been a nice way to leave, and he can make a jump to the NFL where he could. I don't know, just, just coach at a higher level. So um, I can't like, I can't like say he made the wrong choice because I'm not him. So I mean, if I were him though, I probably would have made the jump to the NFL. Honestly, yeah, I was mentioning it. I, I think Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan has been like so so, but I think it's the like right now in his standing, it's the best like he's had. Obviously, with the season that he just went winning the Big Ten, losing in the college football playoffs. So, yeah, I think at the time, if there was any time for it to be right almost, it would seem like he wasn't being forced out, of course, at Michigan. It would have been made a lot of sense to go back into the NFL, but he won't be. And three teams now still need to hire head coaches, the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Houston Texans. So we will have to wait and see with that. One thing, Core, we will mention before we move on to a little bit of college football news. We'll mention Brian Flores and his situation. I think Brian Flores is completely right in his standing. For those who don't know, he's planning on suing the NFL and a couple of different organizations, the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Denver Broncos as well for unjust interviews and stuff like that. And some of the things that kind of went on with him personally coaching in the Dolphins and some of the problems with minority coaches in the National Football League. Now, the Rooney rule is out there, but I think not enough teams really take it enough seriously. So I think Brian Flores is in his complete right. I think it takes a lot of courage for him. He's definitely putting himself in jeopardy for a job. I mean, again, when this coaching cycle hired, I think me and you would both agree, Flores, one of the most accomplished coaches there. And honestly, I think that maybe if he doesn't like pursue this, maybe he does get either the Saints or the Texans job, right? But him putting himself out there, maybe a team doesn't really want to get into this because they don't know what's going to resolve of his situation. Like I said, it takes a lot for him. He's even mentioned it's bigger than him. So for him, I laud him in his efforts, and hopefully there is change on this front in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, if um, I, I, I think we were all pretty surprised of Brian Flores even getting fired from the Dolphins in, in the first place, I think. For him to, to like go through with this, I guess like that's strongly what he believes, then respect to him. Um, maybe putting himself I, – th- I still think he'll be able to – I think even with stuff going on, I, I still think Brian Flores, if it's not like now, I think 
he'll be an NFL coach real soon. I think obviously he's earned the right to do that. But uh, yeah, I think if, if he, if he's really going, like if it's going through with this, then I mean, um, yeah, I, I respect it. Best of luck to him and um, with, with his coaching endeavors and, and whatever's going on with them right now. But yeah, I think definitely should, he's definitely worthy. Definitely will be an NFL coach uh, sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. He definitely has proven that he is a elite football mind and he definitely deserves a coaching opportunity at, for one of these Oregon 32 organizations out there. Core, real quick, I'll just bring up one of the points too, even in that one of the things that he was saying with the Dolphins is that the Dolphins offered him $100,000 per loss. Hugh Jackson, former Cleveland Browns coach, also came out and says, yeah, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, was paying me money to lose. I mean, what do you think about that? Like owners, like – Listen, my stance kind of on this is that, like, the NFL, the way that the NFL is set up, I mean, it's not like the lottery where, like, you might get the first pick, that if you lose pointless games at the end of the season, unfortunately, yes, like, it, it helps your organization technically. I mean, they wanted Joe Burrow, the Dolphins, and if um, Stephen Ross, I think, is the owner who wanted this to happen, right? If he would have gotten his way and the Dolphins lost out, I mean, they'd probably be in the playoffs this year because they'd have Joe Burrow. So I think that the NFL is definitely going to, like, Obviously, they have to address this because you can't like I know it's not a player completely from the game, but if a player threw the game, like a player would be blacklisted from the NFL. So an owner's allowed to do it, though. An owner's allowed to get like bribe almost, which I think is just not fair. Obviously, this is all accusations. Brian Flores did not take any of these bribes, which kudos to him again. It speaks to his high character and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think that's a crazy situation. Again, I think it's the NFL kind of has to look at that in a sense of like maybe remodeling certain things because Again, it, like though, just the way it's set up and some like how important the quarterback position is and getting a top overall pick in the draft, it's it's beneficial to a team that is two and eleven to lose the last four games of the season. Like it doesn't. I know. Like I hate that, Corey. I absolutely despise that attitude. You're a competitor, and obviously none of the players are going to ever go out and lose a game. But from maybe an upper organization management, you know what I mean? That's like a thought process in their mind that should we lose these next games so we get a better draft pick. Obviously, like I said, of course, a player would never ever have that attitude, but organizations, the guys who aren't on the field might beg to differ because they see things differently. And at the same time, like, you know, like, do they, they I don't want to kind of say that they have a point, but again, look where the Dolphins could potentially be if they would have lost out and maybe had Joe Burrow. Like, I, I, I hate that thought process of just completely throwing in the white towel and losing on purpose. Th that, that's where I kind of stand on it. I'm curious how you think. I mean, when it comes to, like, losing games, like, obviously, I think tanking – obviously, there are teams who unfortunately do tank in, in sports when the games are pretty meaningless. And obviously, like, if like if the games are meaningless and it could guarantee, like, a better pick, I mean, obviously, it makes sense. But I don't know. To be offered 100K to, to lose games, I first off, I think that's definitely – I don't know if I don't know if it's like 100% confirmed true, but for that to like actually be something, I think, like you, you can't be doing that. Like that's just that's almost a, that just like seems to me someone like, not, it's obviously not betting like on a game, but like you're basically like saying go lose the game, throw the game. But well, yeah, because core imagine imagine if a player bet on a game and bet against his team, the guy and that came out, that guy would be that he yeah. would never be allowed in the NFL again. That's out of the league. Yeah, nah. Yeah, but when it comes to that, I, I'm definitely against, like, losing a game on purpose. Like like you said, I think especially in football, like, the players obviously can't go out there 
losing on purpose, especially like in a game of football, like how violent a sport, like you could get yourself hurt if you're just out there trying to lose. I think even if you're, even if you're like one in 13, like, I don't know. I just think at the end of the day, I don't think, oh, uh, I don't, obviously I don't believe. I think you go out there, obviously you try to win the game unless like you're, you, if you want to just like say like your quarterbacks hurt. Yeah. Maybe just like put out inferior talent out there, but I don't know. I, I'm never, I'm, I'm never a believer in, in like throwing a game. I'm never going to be in that. I think as like an athlete, or like any sports player, you go out there compete, and if your record's fifteen and one, or if it's one and fifteen, like I just mm-hmm. think, you go out there compete, try to win the game, and if you can win, like you just got to build off of next year. I think, like you said, like they could have had Joe Burrow if if like they were tanking, but like you still had it. Like there's you're still like gonna have a good draft pick, regardless. Like you could end the season mm-hmm. good. Like they could have drafted. Justin Herbert, they didn't though. Justin Herbert, I think, still the best quarterback in that draft. I think too, it could be a right. So, like, for me, when it comes to that, I'm definitely not a believer in that. I think you go out there, obviously, try to win every game. I think 100k to lose is definitely uh pretty pretty sad to be honest. But yeah, I think you go out there as a competitor. I think just try to win all the time. Yeah, well agreed. I think that I mean, you put your body through all of the off season training and then training camp and all that physical like abuse basically and the violence of the sport. And then for you to get into week 16, 17 and 18 and like, obviously again, and like have your kind of coaches and your organization above you, like not really putting a hundred percent into win, I think is upsetting. And I think that again, maybe the NFL kind of has to look at something to avoid these measures. And I don't know, like maybe a lottery between the top five teams or something like that. But I think it's something, it's not a huge problem yet. I don't think it's been like crazy evident in but core, when stories come out like this and start shedding some light, it's almost like, all right, we got to do something before this kind of like blows up into something that could be bigger, right? We don't want four teams down the stretch all going for, I mean, Bryce Young next year, right? Let's just put a hypothetical out here. I mean, he looks like the number one overall pick, right? And uh, now I'm not going to say completely can't miss quarterback prospect, but I mean, some teams that their organizations have been struggling the last couple of years, when you're two and 11 at next year at certain points and the playoffs don't are nowhere in sight. I mean, there might be some chatter amongst teams that, all right, maybe if we get this Bryce young, we could have a quick turnaround like Joe Burrow. So I think the NFL, the league definitely has to at least for sure, look into those accusations that for sure um, there has to be repercussions because again, for players to go out there when your organization and your coach really isn't completely on your side is just unfair to the players and all the sacrifices that they put in. And again, maybe do something that could potentially prevent, certain tanking and stuff like that. Like I said, it's not a crazy big issue yet, but there's evidence now that at least there has been certain attempts at it in the National Football League. Core, we'll leave off finally with more positive news, I should say. College football news. Caleb Williams finally announces where he will be playing this this next season. I mean, I feel like it was kind of obvious when Lincoln Riley took the job at USC that Caleb Williams would follow him. It was a long process. Wisconsin was even getting some buzz that he would go there. Ultimately, though, he will be a USC Trojan, a huge get for him and really the whole Pac-12 conference. I mean, now USC under Lincoln Riley in their first year, they're going to be a serious contender, maybe even to take a college football playoff spot for the Pac-12, a conference that really hasn't gotten a lot of love these past couple of years. I mean, I think we've had like the last Pac-12 playoff team was Washington back in like 2016 or something like that. So hopefully Williams and company with Lincoln Riley's vision over there can really kind of 
revamp that football program. Obviously, it's one of the most prestigious in college football history. All those old teams, even in 2003, 2004, 2005 with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to Caleb Williams at USC. I think his ceiling is crazy high. Obviously, he's got two more years at school at least. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to watching him. And the Pac-12, definitely a big winner in this. Yeah, I think the the Pac-12 definitely um, a big winner. I think USC definitely going into next year, um, probably not probably. I think they're definitely the favorites to to win the to to win the Pac-12. I think also to bring in Lincoln Lincoln Riley, like a top recruiter. I think to to have a quarterback for for the next two years, who I'd say like the ceiling for him is is the Heisman Heisman winner. I don't think that's like a bold statement. I think. Caleb Williams could win a Heisman in the next two years. So I think that like Lincoln Riley already having like them two already having a year under their belt of like, like play calling and like chemistry together. I think it's only going to only going to get better. And um, when it comes to the college football playoff, like I'm not saying I think USC obviously going to have as good a chance. I mean, like obviously in the Pac-12, I think they're going to have the best chance to make the college football playoff. If they could uh, dominate, I think they have a shot at, I think um, Lincoln Riley already making big moves coming to USC and getting his quarterback. I think certainly uh, may, it's definitely a winning day to be USC and in a Trojan and just everything. So I think it's um, pretty cool to see uh, a guy from Oklahoma, obviously both of them come to USC. I'm curious. I, I, I'd like to see them, be in the college football playoff, I think they'll be uh, – I think, like I said, I think they're only going to get better. So I think it's going to be uh, fun to watch them too in, um, in the Pac-12. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that like the out-of-conference schedules are like decided years in advance because what I would do for a USC-Oklahoma game this year, oh, my goodness. Even a USC – like the real USC, like USC – uh, like the one in Southern California versus the one in South Carolina, you know what I mean? A little Rattler versus Caleb Williams action. Yeah. I guess we're going to have to hope that either Oklahoma, I mean, all three of them, probably not. I mean, the other, the later, the later two in Oklahoma and, and South Carolina, not really true college football player contenders right now, but um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but you mentioned Lincoln Riley's ability as a recruiter. He's brought in a numerous five stars as well as a couple transfers. Mario Williams came over from, Oklahoma, he's a wide receiver, so him and Caleb Williams obviously working together last year. He'll definitely help. Travis Dye, a running back from Oregon this past year, took over for C.J. Verdell, ran for over 1,000 yards. It's another big piece that they bring in. So, yeah, definitely a good day to be a USC fan. And one last thing I will mention, Jackson Dart, former Southern California quarterback. He transferred to Ole Miss. Ole Miss also has been killing it in the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin hopefully has his heir apparent to Matt Corral there in Jackson Dart. Although the other kid that they brought into the Sugar Bowl was pretty good. I think Altmeyer was his last name. So a nice little competition they'll have going on down there. But core with that, that's going to be it for today's episode. Like I mentioned, next week we will dive in. We'll go early in the week too. We'll dive into the Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl 56. I am definitely excited for this one, Core, and I cannot wait to get into it. But anything you kind of want to leave off with this one? Not really. Almost just like the same. Just I mean, it was good. Um, good week recapping. Obviously, there's no, no football this week. So I mean, obviously, can't really, uh, can't really say like, looking forward to to a nice week of football. But I mean, hey, I think um, obviously the Super Bowl gonna be coming next week, and 
I don't know. I just think I'll say like I think the season obviously it, it just goes by so quick. Every year it feels like it was just week one in the Bucks for playing uh playing the Cowboys on Thursday night football. So I mean it's just like crazy to feel like we're already at the uh already at the Super Bowl. Just it, it flies by, honestly. That's that's what I gotta say, honestly. Yeah, it for sure does. I mean, it's upsetting to know we only got one more game left of the 2021-2022 season. I mean, it's definitely been awesome. The playoffs have been great. So hopefully the Super Bowl is also great. One last thing that I will mention, we have not mentioned the Pro Bowl once, and I'm going to keep it that way. The Pro Bowl is meaningless. I truly believe that. Until they move it back to Hawaii the week after the Super Bowl, nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Don't even bother watching it. I mean, what was it, the race today that Micah Parsons beats a jogging Tyreek Hill? That, that, that's the Pro Bowl. Tyreek Hill's jogging in a race. Nobody cares. So that's where I stand on the Pro Bowl, and that's why we did not discuss it once. I don't care about the game court. Will I watch it? Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give a play or two here. But ultimately, couldn't care two cents about it. So that's where I stand on that. Be sure to be on the lookout for our new episode next week. Check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.